0: There are no set schedules in portal season, ladies and gentlemen. No, we're back with another brand new Village Vice. He's Zach Blackerby. I'm Brad Law. Zach, full transparency here: we intended to go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but it, it's nonsensical to try to set a schedule like that this time of year when news can sometimes break fast and you get a lot of stuff in 24 hours.
1: What we've learned from this new era of college football with the transfer portal and NIL. There are no rules yeah. anymore.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's like a landmine. Don't and and when you walk through it step by step, eventually you're gonna get popped. And so that's in terms of news breaking. That's what we're talking about. So sure. Yeah, we talked uh, in our last show about Philip Montgomery's exit from the program, and we will begin today talking about Ron Roberts' exit from the Auburn football program. Both veteran caretaker type of coordinators uh, now moving on after one season after, quite frankly, that caretaking role isn't as necessary a component for your coordinators to have.
1: Yeah, and let's call a spade a spade here. I mean, it did sound like there was some personality conflict on the Ron Roberts side of things. Uh, I mean, you started to see some cryptic things come from him, and then he deleted them, and then you saw some cryptic things come from, Several of the defensive players, specifically the defensive backs and rumblings about, you know, Keontae Scott saying he plans to enter the portal and, you know, the news breaking about that. Whether he actually did or not depends on who you ask, but it did sound like he kind of led the charge of being frustrated with the current coaching situation on the defensive side of the ball. Sounds like other guys similar. Kay and Lee was another guy that Auburn feared they could possibly lose him via the portal. Did they make this move because the players were upset? I don't think so. I think this was going to happen regardless. I do think it's interesting how long it took for all of this to happen. I think they wanted Ron Roberts to get a job elsewhere, Brad. Um, This was a guy that was fired a year ago from Baylor and then kind of fell upwards uh, getting the D.C. job. At Auburn and I think as a coordinator he did a really good job at Auburn I think he had this defense leaning over their skis and overachieving at certain parts of this season Mm -hmm. and so now they uh, they made sure he got a job at Florida they didn't have to let him go I also think that helps contractually with some financials in regards to buyouts and things like that and so him being a part of Florida's staff uh, I think it's good for all parties involved
0: yeah Boy, for him personally, what what does Florida have to do next year to keep him from looking for a fourth job in in four years? Not because of him, but because of the instability within that program already. It's a brutal situation. They've got a tough schedule. It doesn't look good in Gainesville. No, but uh, this is not a Florida show, so we'll just move right on. Thank goodness, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, let's move right on along from that. I will say similar things about Coach Roberts that I said about Coach Montgomery. Again, we met with the coordinators every yeah. Thursday. Um, really solid guy with us. A little more hesitant about what we were asking and from you know the radio responsibilities than Coach Mon- Montgomery was, but not, again, very cooperative. Um, you know learned a little bit from from him about what Auburn was trying to do defensively. and uh, I think his toolbox was a little closer to full capacity maybe than, than those coaches on the offensive side. Sure. But yeah, you're right. The defense probably shined a little brighter than the offense for most of the year. And um, he played a role in that for sure. So no ill will toward, toward Ron Roberts whatsoever moving forward.
1: Yeah. I think Philip Montgomery is a good coach. Yeah, I think Ron Roberts is a good coach. I don't think it worked here for yep. the one year that they were there. And I, I think some of it with Philip Montgomery had to do more with, Is he going to be on the same page or not consistently with the head coach, which that is your job as a coordinator is you need to work with your boss, your head coach. Mm -hmm. And it didn't seem like either of them were particularly enjoying that, just from the outside looking in, just speculating on that. And then on the defensive side with Ron Roberts, I mean, we saw saw Wesley McGriff uh, step down from his role as defensive backs coach to take an off-the-field role. And it was reported by several folks that they kind of blamed the relationship between him And Ron Roberts. And I don't know. I mean, this kind of seems more of the same. The it just I I think he's a good coach. I just think the personality fit, it didn't make sense to to keep him
0: around, Brad. And at the end of the day, you know, the whoever whatever side you best match with as a as a fan doesn't really matter. When the head coach wants something, he's gonna get or he should get what he wants. 99 times out of 100 because that's that's what comes with being the head coach and yeah Yeah.
1: i i I think brad this is an interesting situation where the auburn family's actually aligned on this where they're saying you know what let's let's let hugh freeze do it and i think even the the naysayers the the hugh freeze naysayers the hugh freeze haters if you will They're saying, no, let's let's let him see what he can do. Let's see if he's truly in over his head or not. Let let let's go all in with you. You're hearing it from both sides of the aisle. And I think that's a good thing.
0: Uh, Yeah, I I think that ought to be the response and and, uh, hope that continues. I think it's the wise response. I think it's the way to build momentum. And it's 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 the kind of attitude you need as your program is going to go forward as opposed to stay right where it is. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I agree. Right. So a few names have popped up early in the D.C. search. Chris
1: Kiffin is the one that's the loudest. Yes, that is Lane Kiffin's brother. Mm -hmm. He is the linebackers coach for the Houston Texans. And I do wonder if this news speeds up a little bit if the Texans lost this past weekend and didn't make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. But they won. They won, and they're a playoff team, which is kind of wild to think about. But in regards to who I think is most likely to be the D.C., Um, right now I think it is Chris Kiffin. And if it's not him, I think Charles Kelly makes a ton of sense. You've already brought him on staff.
0: You know what's interesting to me is I go back to Hugh Freeze's introductory press conference where he talked about the the number of text messages and calls that he'd gotten about the the coordinator positions. Mm -hmm. And I kind of expected the, let's say, the demographic of the coordinators to look a little different that I didn't expect like veteran coaches who were you know, in their 50s or or beyond to be coordinators to launch the program under Hugh Freeze. The more I think about it, the more I think that, yeah, they really just needed a year of the caretaker role to get their feet up under them, similar to what we said with Coach Montgomery yesterday. And now that that's in place, you're going to see a little more. Like you try a few things, you find out what works, you find out what doesn't work. And now that you go into – If you called last year, year zero, if you move into year one, truly, or if you call last year, year one, you move into year two um, with the guys that sort of the head coach is more confident. No, I tried. This didn't work. Now this is the guy that I want, because for both coordinators, you're hearing names that you heard initially a year ago. Yeah,
1: that's right. Um, Zach Arnett is another name that's being thrown around. Of course, he was Mississippi State's head coach a year ago. He was a defensive coordinator before that at Mississippi State. And that's a name that was thrown around. But then once he got the head coaching job and everything that happened at Mississippi State regarding the passing of Mike Leach, mm-hmm. there's no way he, um, he was going anywhere. And I think that was the right move for him, even though it didn't work out. Uh, so Zach Arnett, I think, makes sense. There is some contract uh, contract stuff with him that I was reading about that it makes it a little tougher and a little mm. more expensive to land him. So we'll see if that plays into it. But the the timing of this, I think it's going to be interesting just with, yeah. with Kiffin and the Houston Texans being a playoff team. So should Auburn fans pull for the Browns this weekend? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, um, I just, I love the unintended consequence of the coaching carousel ticking up a little bit after the window closes. It just stretches out things happening in the offseason a little bit more. As a coach, I'm sure it's awful. But as a fan and somebody who talks about this a million times today, Brad, I'm sure you're in the same boat. Like yeah. this is great. Like I think it's great for the sport.
0: No, well, there's no question. And the expanded playoff pushing the season back longer and totally. The the more we talk about football, The more our affinity is going to keep on growing for football. And and quite frankly, all right. So I'll be the first to admit that the the age of NIL and the portal are a little bitter. Like I've got a bitter taste when I think about those things because, you know, I'm I'm a little older. I got a little more tradition behind me than than some do. And it it doesn't quite sit right. But the longer you live in it, the more you understand that you have to adapt. and The more you kind of have to go. All right, well, let me find the things that I like about it. And when you decide to do that, you will find those things. And yeah, your affinity grows. So, yes, absolutely love it. I, well, I'm, I'm thinking like two or three different tangents here, but we'll we'll stop here. One of the other unintended consequences, Zach, is um, we're about to talk about some guys that are gonna that are coming the portal or that are coming to Auburn through the transfer portal. Right. What are their roles going to be? Well, especially defensively, we were talking about this before we started recording. Kind of depends on who comes in to coordinate the defense. Sure. Doesn't it? We'll get yeah. into that here in just a minute.
1: Yeah, that's right. Hey, today's show is brought to you by our friends at mybookie.ag. Mybookie is the best place to wager on all of your sports action. And sure, college football is over. Sad. Congratulations to the Michigan Wolverines. Just want to say I picked Michigan. Brad picked Washington. Just want to point yep. that out. Just want to yep. point that out. Uh, but right now you can bet on basketball. You can bet on uh, on all sorts of college football futures, and of course the NFL. We talk about the playoffs. Bet against the Texans, so we can speed this process up. If you want, <laughs> head over to mybookie.ag and use promo code Next Round. Next Round as your promo code, and you'll get some extra money to bet with, and you will have even more fun at my Brad. it's been a few weeks since we've done a little stat time and, and i don't hmm. have a lot but i do think that this could kind of accompany our conversation about auburn's two newest guys that they've added to the transfer portal let's start with rico walker the mm-hmm. tight end from maryland and then we'll talk about True carter that you teased just a second ago so rico walker six four very large tight end i think he's gonna be more of a traditional blocker than some of the guys that he'll play with over the next two years at Auburn, Rivaldo Fairweather is going to be gone. And then after that, the only two tight ends on scholarship currently are are Rico Walker and, uh, and, and Mike O'Reilly, Ryan, uh, Ryan G who is a part of the 2025 commitment class for the Auburn Tigers. In theory, he would be on campus at that point. But I I think, I think it's important to talk about the future of the tight end position. When you talk about Rico Walker, because I think he's more of a future play the yep. 2024 20,
0: play yeah glad you said that because I, I saw some initial reaction on why is auburn taking another tight end i don't think you, you know rico's not a guy you're going to expect to get 25 30 catches in 2024 yeah. he's you're building depth sort of like a dylan sendo on the offensive line in 2023 Good comparison. A guy who played a lot of snaps but you need him as a building block for your future at that position so
1: and I, there's I like a chance there's a chance he plays tyler Fromm type snaps Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I don't love, and I don't, I don't think the coaching staff loves Rivaldo as a blocking tight end. Yeah. Um. You know, we'll see how Brandon Frazier's ascension goes. I think he's going to take a lot of those snaps, and he probably deserves it. I do too. Um, but I, I think that's worth following. Um, uh, moving forward, I'm trying to find how many stats from. Uh, okay, Tyler Fromm had 151 snaps last year. Okay. For what that's worth, and Frazier played. Well, Frazier played 241, so th- I wow. think there are some blocking snaps for Rico Walker to have in 2024. But to me, I think this is a play after Rivaldo Fairweather and Luke Deal and Frazier move on.
0: Yeah. Um, but we'll see. So, and, and he's a legacy guy. His dad played at Auburn, and and so that, that's another connection that never hurts to have guys who may maybe he's you know two percent more passionate about the program than he would be anywhere else he goes because of that.
1: Yeah, and as soon as he entered the portal, there was a lot of talk about, hey, watch this guy. And they're right. Yeah. So keep in mind how often Maryland threw the football. We talked about that when we were previewing the Music City Bowl. Of course, Auburn played Maryland, brutal game, but they threw it a ton. They only threw to Rico Walker six times. Mm-hmm. Like he was not very active in the passing game. He wasn't a, he was an okay run blocker. Of the six times he was targeted, he caught just four of them for 27 yards. Um, he was credited with one drop. Mm-hmm. But well, one thing I do like about Rico is he played the vast majority of his snaps as an inline tight end. He did some big slot stuff, and I think he had two snaps at outside wide receiver. But I like the fact that he is a true tight end. In yeah. today's version of modern football and modern offenses, you want tight ends to do lots of things, and those guys are exciting. right? It's exciting to talk about Travis Kelsey. It's exciting to talk about – um Rivaldo Fairweather or what Rob Gronkowski was doing towards the end of his career. Yeah. But you need true tight ends as well. And so, you know, Luke deal, I think is um, I think he's overlooked by a lot of a lot of fans because he does a lot of the, the dirty work. John Samuel Shanker was the same way before he started getting thrown the football. I think this is a move that makes Auburn better in 2024 and 2025.
0: Did Rico play in more than four games because I know he had a catch in four st- – those four catches – He played in-, in 10 games. All right, so he did play. They just didn't throw to him all that much. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. All right. Yeah, those four catches and He was were targeted early in, s- in the year. A- yes. Yep.
1: Yes, by week five. And then he was targeted week seven against Illinois. Um, so he was targeted once in six different games. Mm-hmm. And then he played in two games where he was not targeted.
0: All right. Very cool. good.
1: Any any more thoughts about
0: Rico before we move on to uh, Trill Carter? Just don't trip up and call him Rico Suave. It's Rico Walker. That's that's. I think that's I an remember. important note. I'm glad that you shared that for sure. I'm here. That's why I'm here to drop the important stuff.
1: Trill Carter, the defensive tackle from Texas. Texas's defensive front was very good and very effective at rushing the passer a year ago. He was a rotational piece mm-hmm. with that, and they kind of brought him in on early downs to stop run heavy teams. Granted, there weren't a lot of those. Um, but he had eight pressures on 159 pass rushing snaps. So that's like around 19%, which is around the same ratio that we saw Jason Jones have. And I'm blanking on our other large defense. Justin Rogers. Justin Rogers. It was about the same ratio, um, as those guys. So for folks who are like, what does that mean? That that's about what it looked like. Um, Huge guy. I mean, 6'2", can move really, really well uh, for his size. I think he's going to be an early down player, Brad. I'm interested to see how they use him.
0: He should count as a Georgia signee, uh, state of Georgia, because he's originally from Georgia. Um, What I like about Carter is that uh, he transferred from Minnesota to Texas took him a little while to really get ingrained and, and kind of get his role in their system. But the bulk of the snaps that he played came later in the year as he got more comfortable and settled in. He played 20 or more snaps in their last five games, including their playoff game. Mm-hmm. So as the year progressed, he got better. He played 30 games at, at Minnesota and started 22 of them. This guy is not a I've played one year and I came on and I sort of – you know i was in the middle productivity wise and now i'm going to find a new place this dude's played some football he's going to be able to come in and and i think because it's his second transfer experience be able to fit in a little quicker than he did transferring the first the, the first time these transfers you're not just learning a new football system You're learning everything else. You're learning your favorite place to eat. You're learning the place to go to class. Like, everything is brand new. Traffic patterns, parking, all this kind of stuff. So, to do that a second time, I think it's a little easier than the first time.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and worth noting, he coming from Minnesota to Texas, Minnesota to the Big 12 to Auburn, Gage Keys, similar path there, Minnesota, Mm -hmm. Kansas, the Big 12, and then to Auburn. So, worth noting He played 164 snaps lined up in the B gap. He played just 84 in the A gap. So more defensive tackle than nose guard. When you look at his size, you think nose, but how Texas used them was kind of that three technique role. So I'm curious how Auburn uses them. And you hinted it kind of depends on what the defensive coordinator wants to do whenever they come in here. The fact that he can do both is a good thing because I do think Trill Carter is a depth piece. Maybe he'll start. I'm not sure. That'd be a pleasant surprise. We'll see what happens. But um, the fact that he can do both is a good thing. I'm just not exactly sure that... uh, Auburn's defense was really successful a year ago because the pressure that they were able to generate from the three-technique spot with what Marcus Harris was able to do. And this isn't that. This isn't that type of player. And so what they're going for, I think, is a depth move. But I just don't know where the pressures are going to come from
0: next yeah. year. Is Keldrick Falk big enough to move into that role? I think there's talk about
1: it. I've seen a few yeah. different people say that. And then it's like, okay, well, who starts a defensive end? Do you start a freshman at defensive
0: end? Right. Yeah, it's a good question. Or do you have to – or, yeah, then you start looking at the second portal window. And that's a little more – yeah, the, the ice is thinner when you do that. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And it's very curious because, again, you go back to the defensive coordinator that comes in. You've got to think that – like, we're we're all looking at the offense and we're thinking, well, this is going to be Hugh Freeze's offense. He's going to bring in somebody to help run his offense. Mm-hmm. What about defensively? If you bring in Zach Arnett as the defensive coordinator, is Auburn running a 3-3-5 next year? Is there a scenario where they're in a traditional 4-3 base or a 4-2-5 or – three, four, like it that kind of stuff matters when you start looking at your personnel and and where to maximize what they can do. Right,
1: right. And will that be part of the interview process as Hugh Freeze already made yeah. up his mind? I don't know, because it's not like Auburn's personnel on defense is stacked. I mean, the defensive line is a concern. You feel okay about the linebackers and then the defensive backfield. It's a nice combination of veteran leadership, and then a bunch of young guys with a ton of upside. But it's not like it's loaded. I don't think it's like you know if you open up the cupboard and you say, man, there's just so much to work with here. I I don't know if that's necessarily the case. The pass rush is a concern for me, Brad, and you hope. I think this is something that Chris Kiffin's done just because he's done it at the NFL level as far as coach defensive linemen and really get the most out of those front seven players. You need a guy like that. Ron Roberts was good at that. Ron Roberts was good at putting his players in positions and situations to succeed. And so they need somebody else to be able to come in and
0: do that. And we'll see if they, uh, if they're yeah. able to do it. Agreed. Agreed. Um, okay. Let's t- We talked about the guys coming back yet. We haven't, have we? Let's do it in a second. Okay. After we talk about manscaped, manscaped.com use promo code vice. If you do that today, you're going to get 20% off and free shipping on uh, anything that you order from Manscaped. And may I make a suggestion as to what you order from Manscaped? The MVP of 2024, yeah, we're already ready to name it, Manscaped's fifth-generation lawnmower. It is not just a trimmer. It is your grooming sidekick. It is equipped with two, not one, but two, skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for, you know, taking a little off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart Desires. It is like having a personal stylist at your fingertips or, you know, where wherever wherever you need it. And did we mention that it's waterproof? Uh, because the trim and the shower is really the best. Well, it's one of the best ways to start your day. Go to manscaped.com, use promo code VICE and get 20% off and free shipping right now. Manscaped, the best in men's grooming. All right. It's Keontae one of the best.
1: Scott, uh, Keontae yeah. Scott's coming back. <laughs> Yep, Dylan Wade's coming back. Yeah, which that was a huge tease. Him <laughs> posting the emoji of like the the two fingers up, like the peace, yeah. or I'm out of here, or deuces. Uh, thankfully, he's coming back, so that's that's clutch. That's clutch because that would have been bad. That would have been really, really bad if he uh, if he left with the way Auburn um, kind of struck out at least so far on offensive linemen in the portal.
0: Yeah, big, big. I mean, anytime it's like winning a recruiting battle, um, except these guys have experience and they've produced most recently as a starter in, at in your program. I mean, it right. just, for, for all the reasons that are evident to everybody, it's huge and a little bit of drama again. That's this time of year. Look, December and January are going to be loaded with drama for the near future. And so we just have to get used to the the back and forth a little bit. But yep, absolutely massive. And and Dylan kind of played with everybody for a little while. And wh- why not? He knew he could. So whatever. Yeah, at, yeah. As of today, I don't even say at the end of the day, but uh, as we as we look at it right now, those two very important pieces are coming back to help anchor each side of the ball. Yep.
1: Jason Jones announcing that he's coming back with a yeah. pretty well made video, if I may add. Uh, saying, you know, the, the work's not finished, there's more to do. So, love that. I mean, you talk about the defensive line. Um, he's going to be a guy that's a leader, as well as a guy who's going to eat up a lot of snaps and eat up a lot of blocks, which is exactly what you need. Um, I mean, if any of these defensive linemen leave, it, it feels huge just because that room is still so thin. So, the the fact um, that he announced that he was coming back is a big deal, too. So, yeah. Um, Gosh, I, I just don't see a world where a lot of freshmen don't start next year, and that may be the plan, Brad. That may be the yeah. plan for, to start a lot of freshmen
0: or to play a ton of freshmen at least in the, yeah. uh, in the defensive front seven. That's where I tend to think. I don't know that all that many will start in the first month of the year. You may get there eventually, but I absolutely think their snap counts are going to be really high. I mean, the, you bring them in for a reason, though, and you, and you sell them on early playing time. That, that that's what you sell a lot of these guys on. So you're gonna come in, you're gonna play, you know, 40 snaps a game, your your freshman year and go out and show what you can do. And I think they believe in those guys. Yep. Yep. So
1: we think our next show will be Friday, but <laughs> if other things happen, we will adjust accordingly. So be sure to subscribe to Ward Am Pods to, to make sure if you're watching on YouTube, to make sure you get that. And then of course click that subscribe button if you're listening on your favorite podcasting app so you know when new shows are loaded. But Brad,
0: in the meantime, that about does it for today's show. It does. Thanks, everybody, for watching and listening. And remember, everyone has vices. Make sure Village Vice is one of yours.